As Joe Biden continues to insist he knew nothing about his son's business arrangements, we review the available evidence. Daniel Penny pleads not guilty after the death of a violent homeless man, Jordan Neely, aboard a New York City subway. And Vladimir Putin begins to settle all family business. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So Joe Biden, the president of the United States, continues to claim that he knew nothing whatsoever about Hunter Biden's businesses. This is not only unconvincing, it's pretty obviously a lie. Yesterday, the president of the United States was asked by a reporter about Hunter's business dealings. Obviously, he spent literally decades picking up bags of cash in far-flung countries ranging from China to Ukraine. And, uh, and Joe said the whole time he had no idea any of that was going on. In fact, he had said until five minutes ago that Hunter never did anything wrong. Then Hunter had to plead guilty on a couple of misdemeanor charges. He should have been hit with a felony gun charge as well. He probably should have been hit with, as we'll examine, felony tax charges, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act and all of the rest. He didn't get hit with that, possibly because Merrick Garland, the attorney general for Joe Biden, basically said to prosecutors, do not go forward with any attempt to investigate my son in full or prosecute him in full. But in any case, Joe Biden is continuing to stick with the fairly obvious lie that he knew nothing, nothing, I knew nothing about um, about his son. Joe Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? It's were you involved? Were you involved? No, were you? No. No, no. Okay, well, um, I have some questions. Those questions involve like actual dates and times and timelines and texts because the evidence is very, very strong that Joe Biden actually was receiving money through Hunter's foreign connections. Let's look at the timeline for a second. So in 2013, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, this is NBC News reporting. Hunter Biden joined Joe Biden on a trip to China via Air Force Two. A quote, with granddaughter Finnegan in tow, the Biden men sipped tea in a Confucian style tea house, leafed through books at local shops and treated themselves to mid-afternoon ice cream. But almost six years later, Biden's trip to Beijing is coming under scrutiny amid revelations about Donald Trump's efforts to dig up information to corroborate his corruption allegations regarding Biden. So, says one of the NBC News reporters, he was with Joe Biden, apparently, during this trip. He was one of four reporters who traveled aboard Air Force Two with Biden and his son to China, a visit that was sandwiched between stops in Japan and South Korea. When we got on the plane on a bright Sunday afternoon at Joint Base Andrews, the Bidens were already on board, having just flown in from a family Thanksgiving gathering in Nantucket. What wasn't known then was that as he accompanied his father to China, Hunter Biden was forming a Chinese private equity fund that Associates said at the time was planning to raise big money, including from China. Hunter Biden has acknowledged meeting with Jonathan Lee, a Chinese banker and his partner in the fund during the trip, although his spokesman said it was just a social visit. The Chinese business license that brought the new fund into existence was issued by Shanghai authorities 10 days after the trip with Hunter Biden, a member of the board. So again, think about those dates. We're now talking about 2013. Joe Biden brings Hunter Biden along with him on Air Force Two. 10 days later, Hunter Biden closes a round of funding from a Chinese business person. All Chinese business people at the top level are functionaries of the Chinese communist government. Did they cut that deal with Hunter Biden because he is such an excellent business person? Of course not. Hunter Biden's spokesperson, George Messiers, told NBC News that Hunter Biden wasn't initially an owner of the company and has never gotten paid for serving on the board. He said Hunter didn't acquire an equity interest in the fund until 2017 after his father had left office, which means that it was a delayed payoff. I mean, that, that's, that's all that means. They cut the deal in 2013. And he basically said, I can't get the payoff until after my dad leaves office in 2017. In any case, the notion that Hunter and Joe were riding on Air Force Two to China together 
and that Joe had no idea what Hunter was doing, that's really, really dubious. And of course, that's not the only open business conversation that was happening in the immediate proximity of Joe Biden. According to Miranda Devine, reporting for the New York Post in 2021, Joe invited Hunter's foreign associates to breakfast meetings at his vice presidential residence and to his office in the White House, according to Hunter Biden's laptop. He took his son on Air Force Two to countries where Hunter was doing business deals on at least one occasion, included one of Hunter's business partners on the trip itself. Among the more than 100 events scheduled in Hunter's diary at the VP's residence at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., there are meetings which appear to overlap with Hunter's business interests. According to the laptop, quote, breakfast with dad, nav ops. That's one such meeting recorded for 8.30 a.m. November 19th, 2015. Five photographs date stamped on that day taken at 10.03 and 10.04 a.m. appear on the laptop showing Joe posing with four of Hunter's business associates, including Mexican billionaires Carlos Slim and Miguel Aleman Velasco. Here is that picture. Who is in it? Hunter, Joe, and a bunch of Mexican business people. One photo also features Velasco's son, Miguel Aleman Magnani, the founder of budget airline Interjet, at whose Acapulco mansion Hunter and wife Kathleen had stayed that March. Jeff Cooper, a longtime Biden family benefactor who ran one of the largest asbestos litigation firms in the country, also appears along with Hunter. Cooper and Hunter had been working on energy deals in Mexico and elsewhere in Latin America. A 2013 email from Cooper demonstrates their high expectations of the association with the Aleman dynasty. Cooper's association with the Bidens began in 2005 when he started filing multi-million dollar lawsuits in Delaware in connection with Joe's late son, Bo Biden's firm, Biferato, Gentilotti, and Biden. When Joe became vice president, Cooper then put Hunter on the board of his venture capital firm, Eudora Global, and gave him shares in the business, netting Hunter about 80 grand a year, according to documents on the laptop. In 2015, Hunter also received a one-time payment of $300,000 from Eudora. So why exactly was Hunter Biden on the board? Well, to use his dad's name in order to obviously trump up business for Cooper. Simmons Cooper put up a $1 million investment in investment capital for Hunter and his uncle Jim's abortive attempt to run a hedge fund in 2009. When the venture ended, the Bidens returned the cash. Cooper joined the VP's entourage on Air Force Two to Mexico in 2016, where he and Hunter were trying to negotiate an ill-fated petroleum deal with Aleman Magnani. So again, fairly obvious that Joe knew about all of this. He was squiring around Hunter's business partners. And that's, of course, not the only evidence. We get to more evidence of what exactly Hunter Biden was doing and the fact that Joe pretty obviously knew about it in one second first. It takes a special kind of company to want to partner with our company here at Daily Wire. We see a lot of controversial stuff. A lot of people are afraid of us saying those controversial things. But Pure Talk is not afraid of that, which is why they stand behind us. It's just one reason we stand behind them as well. Pure Talk shares my values as well as the values of the other hosts here at Daily Wire. That's why we made them the official wireless partner of the Daily Wire. But that's not the only reason. We check the coverage. It's premium. Pure Talk is the most dependable 5G network in the United States. I use it myself. Mix and match your plans to fit every person in your family. Choose from talk, text, and 5G data for just 20 bucks a month, all the way up to unlimited data with mobile hotspot for 55 bucks a month. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you and switch on over to Pure Talk today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. I use their coverage. All my business calls are Pure Talk. Pure Talk is a great company. They'll give you great coverage and they don't hate your guts like a lot of the other phone companies do. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro to save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, using the internet without ExpressVPN. Well, it's like forgetting to mute yourself on a Zoom meeting and having everyone hear your side conversation with your coworker. Not that that's ever happened to me, but you know, 
It's bad. Well, internet service providers track every single website you visit, which is also bad. They sell that information to ad companies and tech giants who then use it to target you with their ad programs. ExpressVPN reroutes your network data through a secure encrypted tunnel so your internet provider can't see or sell your online activity. It sounds complicated, but ExpressVPN is actually really easy to use. Just fire up that app, click one button. One subscription works on all your devices like phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected as well. Here at Daily Wire, we're proud to have ExpressVPN as our top privacy partner because we believe everyone should be able to protect themselves from big tech's prying eyes. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's the service I use. You should do the same. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to get an extra three months for free. Okay, so other evidence that Hunter was connected with Joe and that Joe knew full well about it. So fast forward to May 23rd, 2017. On May 23rd, 2017, Hunter's business associate suggested a deal in which 10% of a Chinese business venture should be held by H for the big guy. Held by H for the big guy. So what exactly does that mean? People were wondering who the hell is the big guy? What exactly is the big guy? Well, I mean, it turns out that the same business associate who is calling who says held by H for the big guy in his email, also happened to be the same person who uh, in other email exchanges and text exchanges calls Joe Biden the big guy. So that question was already answered. So what does it mean held by H 10% for the big guy, this Chinese business deal? That was May 23rd, 2017. Fast forward just about two months, July 30th, 2017. Joe Biden, his son, Hunter, has a WhatsApp to the head of CEFC China Energy Company. Quote, I am sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Again, note the proximity of these particular texts. May 23rd, 2017, Hunter's business associate sends him an email concerning, I believe, this particular deal, saying the 10% may be held by H for the big guy. We have contemporaneous texts and emails from this particular person suggesting that um, the big guy is, in fact, Joe Biden. The Washington Post was able to authenticate that particular email. And so now we know that this deal is something that probably involved Joe Biden, obviously. The person who sent that email, 10% for the big guy, was a person named James Gillier, who was a business associate of Hunter Biden's. And apparently, in other emails, the same person, Gillier, had called Joe Biden the big guy. This, of course, is not the only sort of association that we have between Hunter's business friends and Joe Biden. We also know that there were members of the Burisma board who were thanking Hunter Biden for brokering meetings between them and Joe Biden. Okay, so back to this particular CEFC deal, right? Again, May 23rd, 2017, Hunter's business associate, James Gillery, suggests a deal in which 10% is held for the big guy. July 30th, 2017, Hunter WhatsApps the head of CEFC China Energy and says, my dad is sitting right here and we are going to break you on the wheel of pain if you don't send us our money. And on August, in August of 2017, just like a few days later, Hunter receives a $5.1 million wire this is according to Fox News. A bank account linked to President Biden's son Hunter received more than $5 million in August of 2017, shortly after his threatening messages in which he said he was sitting here with his father to a Chinese associate were, were sent, according to documents released by congressional investigators. 
And on August 4th, 2017, CFC infrastructure investment, that, by the way, would be approximately five days after that WhatsApp exchange. They wired 100 grand to Hunter Biden's law firm, Owasco, according to a 2020 report. Then just a few days later, on August 8th, 2017, CFC infrastructure investments and $5 million to Hudson West III, a firm that Hunter Biden opened with Chinese associates. The two transactions totaling $5.1 million came within 10 days of messages uncovered on Thursday by the House Ways and Means Committee. And by the way, we still have no idea why exactly Joe Biden, Joe, had $5.2 million in unexplained income, according to the UK Daily Mail. That is a report dating back to April of 2022. Apparently, the financials, the, the president's financial filings reveal he declared almost $7 million more in income on his tax returns than he did on his government transparency reports. And $5.2 million of those dollars are completely unexplained. Now, what if we had, you know, like a text message from Hunter fully explaining that he was a bag man for his dad? Oh, wait, we do. In 2019, Hunter sent a text message to his daughter, Naomi. Here is the text of that text message. This is from his laptop. The text message from his laptop says, quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. So when Joe Biden says he knew nothing, do you think that um, that's true? Do you really think that's true? On a couple of scores. One, he was intimately involved with every detail of Hunter Biden's life, even in his new narrative, right? His narrative, I love my son so much. I was just trying to save him from his own demons. I was trying to save him from his addiction to Parmesan cheese on carpets and hookers. I was involved in every area of his life. But when it came to business, I was hands off. Right there, that's where I drew the line. I was never going to know about any of that. That is not credible on his face. But you know what else is not credible? Do you think that Hunter was texting his daughter about giving money to his dad? Like, how often have you texted your kids or your friends about paying your parents' bills when you weren't actually paying your parents' bills? How often have you had correspondences with other people in which you threaten as a 50-year-old man? Hunter Biden is not 20. He is 50. As a 50-year-old man, that your daddy is sitting next to you and they need to shake you down together. Do we really think that Hunter was off freelancing this on his own? Does that sound anything remotely plausible that Joe had no clue what exactly was happening here? It's obviously untrue. Joe Biden is clearly lying. He knew exactly what was happening. And if he knew exactly what was happening, the chances that there was money that was actually funneled to Joe through all of these shell companies is really high. Because I really doubt that Joe Biden is just the kind of guy who's sitting around waiting for all of his friends and family members to freelance off his name, but nothing was coming back to him, especially not when you have full-on text messages from Hunter saying, I'm paying dad's bills. Is it possible this is a mutually enabling relationship? This isn't just a loving relationship from Joe to Hunter? That maybe this is an enabling relationship where Joe, yeah, he loves his son. Yeah, he wants to take care of his son. Yeah, he wants his son not to be a drug addict. But also, one of the reasons for that is because his son also happens to be picking up bags of cash for him. Why exactly was this investigation stopped? Why don't we know more about this? I mean, all this is impeachable, by the way. There are two areas of this that are clearly impeachable. Area number one, if Joe Biden was clearing money while he was vice president or making deals while he was vice president via his son, where he'd pick up the cash on the other end after he left office, that's corruption. It's impeachable now. Two, if he, in fact, exerted pressure on Attorney General Merrick Garland, which is the only reason Merrick Garland would do this, for Merrick Garland to exert pressure in turn on U.S. Attorney David Weiss to prevent him from prosecuting Hunter Biden or investigating Hunter Biden or going up the chain to the big guy, if that sort of pressure was exerted, that also is impeachable. And right now, 
we have a lot more solid evidence connecting Joe Biden to actual corruption activity than we have to anything remotely like Donald Trump and the Russians. All the Donald Trump Russian crap was all speculative nonsense. Here you have actual text from Hunter Biden to his own daughter saying, I was picking up cash on behalf of dad. You have exact timelines in which Joe is personally squaring around his son to make deals in these places. And Hunter, again, is saying in these deals, I mean, there are multiple places in these emails between Hunter and his business partners where they're talking explicitly about kickbacks to dad. Should a full-scale investigation have been done here? Absolutely. Should it still be done? 100%. Subpoenas should be going out like right now if they haven't already. And I'll get to the kicker in just a second, because it turns out that all this talk about how loving the Biden family is, how it's all just about the love and about the giving and the altruism and Joe just loving his son so much. Yeah, it's that's bull. I'll tell you why it's bull in just one second. First, as you plan for your financial future, it's important to set yourself up for success. If you got a high credit score, you'd still have more power than you think. Now is the time to leverage that credit score to consolidate your debt as interest rates may continue to rise. A credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in that low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 8.99% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Plus, the rate is fixed, so it will never increase over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from five grand to 100 grand without any fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they are delivering to you right now. So just for my listeners, apply right now, get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-D-R-E-A-M dot com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 8.99% APR to 24.99% APR includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. Don't let your debt cripple you. Instead, go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro right now and get that credit card consolidation loan that you need. Okay, so how do we know that all of the media's spin on this, which is, you know what? Joe didn't know a thing that was going on. All he knew is he had to support his son because he loves his son so much. All he had to do was support his son. Well, it turns out that if you have the Biden last name, it's not about loyalty to the Biden last name or people who are blood relatives, because if it turns out that your son nailed a stripper and then impregnated her and you have a granddaughter that you didn't know about and you are Joe Biden, you just pretend she doesn't exist. In fact, the same week that the DOJ settled with Hunter Biden on a couple of guilty pleas and misdemeanor cases that were like the least of his concerns, that same week, Hunter Biden and London Roberts, the mother of his four-year-old child, reached a settlement in their explosive child support dispute It prohibits the first son's daughter from using the Biden family name. Only Hunter and Joe are able to, I mean, presumably Navy Joan, who's the four-year-old, doesn't have the capacity yet to, uh, you know, fly off to Ukraine or Romania and pick up bags of cash on behalf of grandpa. So she's of no use whatsoever. The only people who are allowed to use the Biden name are people who are picking up bags of cash. If you're a four-year-old who requires child support from Hunter, well then, Joe doesn't even acknowledge you exist. Joe continues to maintain he has six grandchildren. He actually has seven. London Roberts is 32. She's a former stripper Hunter Biden impregnated in Arkansas. She'd petitioned the court to rename her daughter Navy Joan Biden after a paternity test confirmed that Hunter Biden is the biological dad. Roberts reportedly wanted to change their daughter's surname so that Navy could benefit from carrying the Biden family name, according to the UK Daily Mail, which makes sense. Everybody else with the Biden family name has been making bank off of that thing. However, Hunter, who has never met Navy, he has literally never met his own biological daughter and refuses to acknowledge her existence submitted court filings, according to the Post-Millennial, that opposed Navy Joan Roberts changing her surname to Biden, claiming he wants her to have a peaceful existence and to live a life free of public scrutiny associated with the Biden family. Yeah, that's going to fix it. You knocked up a stripper and you had a baby out of wedlock. Definitely what's going to keep her out of the headlines if you prohibit her from using your last name. Roberts was initially receiving 20 grand in monthly child support payments from Hunter, but she agreed to have the monthly payments cut to five grand after she showed up to Biden's deposition per the New York Post. You got to wonder what exactly was on the other end of this. 
This is the worst custody deal I've ever heard. She was, she was getting 20 grand a month, $240,000 a year from Hunter. And she reduced that to $60,000 a year. And she can't use Biden's last name for the daughter who is in fact Biden's. So what exactly, there's gotta be some payoff there. Again, if you're talking about familial love, it turns out one aspect of familial love is not disowning a grandchild who is four years old for no reason other than Hunter Biden is a derelict. But that's precisely where we stand right now. So I, I ask you again, is this about Joe Biden's unbelievable, un, unmitigated love for his son? Or is there something deeper going on here? A sort of perverse dependency between Joe and Hunter in which Hunter is the bag man and Joe is clearing money on the other end. And yeah, of course, Joe loves his son and Joe doesn't want his son to be a drug addict, but he's also willing to enable his son in some of his worst activities because you know it's a really terrible thing to do. Knock up a lady, have a baby with her, never meet that baby, not take care of that baby, and then bar that baby from using the family name that has made you rich despite your own lack of any semblance of a functional brain. It's an amazing thing. In just a second, we'll get to the other half of the scandal, which is the possibility that the DOJ was militarized by Joe Biden in order to protect his son, with whom he is almost certainly in business. We'll get to that in, mo in, in just one second. First, as July 4th approaches, we are coming together as proud Americans and savoring the delicious taste of homegrown American-made meat. Our friends over at Good Ranchers have the best quality meat you've ever tasted. I know because they made me a kosher steak one time and it was awesome. They only sell meat that was raised right here in the United States. Producer Stavi, every morning she comes in and she's still jabbering about this sirloin steak her husband made for her last week. Like, like it's over and over and over at this point. I'm like, Savvy, just stop. We'll get you more meat from Good Ranchers. It's fine. From now until Independence Day, Good Ranchers will be offering the best deals to give you freedom from the meat aisle. From ribeyes, New York strips, all natural burgers to the most delicious chicken you could ever want. Good Ranchers has something for everyone. Plus, right now you get 30 bucks off with our code Ben at GoodRanchers.com. If you're looking for a way to wow the family during your 4th of July gathering, check out their website recipe of the Texas style chopped patty melt. So what are you waiting for? Let the mouth-watering aroma of American-made meat fill the air, bringing joy, unity, and independence to your celebrations. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use our code BEN for 30 bucks off any box. That's promo code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com is American meat delivered. Go check them out right now. GoodRanchers.com, promo code BEN. Okay, so Gary Shapley is the IRS whistleblower who's been on all the meetings in terms of the investigation into Hunter Biden. And uh, he was on Brett Baer's show last night, and he had some rather shocking revelations. He, uh, he pointed out that Hunter's income between 2014 and 2019, remember, this is for a career drug addict, derelict loser with no discernible qualities whatsoever. His income from 2014 to 2019 was about $8.3 million. When prosecutors don't allow you to put the subject's name on document requests or on, or on search warrants, then you know, it raises the possibility that there's more information out there we didn't find. But um, but based on all of the financial records that we did find, you know, they've been they've been analyzed. And it was around eight point three million he received from who they came from from China, from CEFC, came from Ukraine and from Romania. Pretty incredible. That's a lot of money, right? And uh, did Hunter pay tax on a lot of that? No, it turns out that he did not. According to Shapley, hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes were not paid, but the DOJ simply let those tax charges expire. Also, says Shapley, we wanted to ask some questions about who is the big guy. I mean, we, we know that, that the big guy was getting 10%. Who was the big guy? Shapley says they, they literally would not allow us to ask that question. As far as the president's involvement in that? So... That's kind of the crux of, of one of the issues here is that we weren't allowed to ask questions about dad. We weren't allowed to ask about the big guy. We weren't allowed to 
in, include uh, uh, certain names and document requests and search warrants. So, um, you know, we were precluded from following that line of questioning. That is incredible. I mean, wouldn't that seem to be a worthwhile line of questioning is where is some of this money going? Especially when, again, we know that the person who used the term the big guy also referred to Joe Biden as the big guy. Also says Shapley, there were no steps taken to investigate whether, in fact, Joe was sitting next to Hunter when he was sending those WhatsApp messages. Wouldn't that be relevant in any way, shape or form? Because, again, you could be influence peddling back in 2013 and you just say the payoff comes in 2017. And by the way, that might lead to some disputes because it is quite possible. Now, let's say you're the head of CEFC and let's say that Hunter Biden flies to China and makes a deal with you in 2013. And he says, you know what? We'll make the deal with you now. And don't worry, we'll be nice to you. And then in 2017, after my daddy's out of office, then you pass the money, right? Then we'll close the deal and we'll avoid appearances of impropriety. Well, if you're CEFC's head, at that point, Joe Biden's irrelevant in 2017. So maybe you say to yourself, I don't feel like paying. And then Hunter calls you up and he's like, well, my dad still has a lot of influence in this town and he can wreck you. And then you send the money. Okay, so here is um, Shapley saying there were no steps to investigate if Joe was even with Hunter during the 2017 text. By the way, we know that Hunter was in Joe's house at the time because the Washington Free Beacon actually examined the photographs on Hunter Biden's laptop. And there, it, there are contemporaneous photos like on that day of Hunter with Joe next to the Corvette. This WhatsApp message, I mean, it obviously raised the most eyebrows in Washington because it, it seems to go directly to this. Do you know if there was an effort to authenticate that or uh, to make sure that that had been followed? Sure. And that was the reason why that was included in my testimony was because when we received the the attorney client filter reviewed copy of, of information from the search warrant to Apple, which produced that document, we went back to the uh, prosecutors and we requested to take various investigative steps and they were not supported. Uh, and, th and when they weren't supported, they said, well, maybe he wasn't co-located with him. So, well, we, we can take investigative steps to, uh, to, to see that. if that happened. Right. And they didn't support anything uh, in relation to that, to that effort. Okay, meanwhile, says Shapley, the prosecutors were basically working hand in glove with Hunter Biden's team. Apparently, there was a storage unit that may have had documents that were relevant to this investigation. And instead of just going and raiding the storage unit, because, you know, he was a suspected criminal, in the same way that um, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, instead of doing any of that, they simply just told Hunter's people about it. Transitioning into another uh, search warrant was on a storage unit in Northern Virginia. And during the day of action on December 8th of uh, 2020, we got updated information that said that records were in that location that were, uh, you know, that would be evidence in this uh, particular investigation. And... The prosecutors initially were supportive of it, and an affidavit was drafted the night of December 8th, 2020, to go forward for approval. Eventually, the prosecutors decided they didn't support it, so I called U.S. Attorney David Weiss with my senior executive on the phone, and we said, you know, we, we needed to execute this search warrant. They, uh, he responded that the prosecutors didn't want to, and I asked if in 30 days, if that storage unit wasn't accessed, and that was the deadline for the document request that was served on that day, then we can execute the search warrant. And he agreed to that. And no sooner had gotten off the phone um, with David Weiss had we learned that the prosecutors were informing defense counsel of that storage unit and the evidence that existed there. Okay, and, and obviously it would be, it'd be beyond Hunter Biden, one of the most upstanding moral people, to just go to the storage unit and destroy anything incriminating. He would never do anything 
like that. Meanwhile, Shapley says that the Delaware U.S. attorney, David Weiss, who's the one who charged Hunter with these couple of misdemeanors and the gun felony that, that he ended up essentially being sent to a, a, a spa for. Shapley says that the uh, U.S. attorney, David Weiss, said that he was denied special counsel status. By the way, the New York Times backs this up. The New York Times buried it in paragraph 21 of a story yesterday, but it turns out that there are multiple witnesses to a conversation in which David Weiss openly suggested that he was asking for special counsel status and was denied it by the DOJ. D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves would not allow him to charge in his district. So I didn't learn that fact until October 7th of 2022. So looking back to March of 2022, and that's when David Weiss in October 7th, 2022, said that the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office will not allow us to charge there. And then he added that he would request special he requested special counsel authority and was denied in that meeting. I even had him repeat that because I knew how important that fact was and I wanted to make sure I understood it. You were there and you remember it crystal clear in your mind. Not only do I remember it crystal, crystal clear, but I documented it. The email that's an exhibit in the House Ways Means Committee testimony was when I returned home that evening, I documented it in, a, in an email and, it, and it's an exhibit. You can look right on there. According to Shapley, all of the most felonious charges were left off the table because, of course, it was Hunter, and, uh, and Hunter had to be protected at all costs. By, by the way, think to yourself for a second. If, if you're Joe Biden and you think that Hunter can get a plea deal anyway, why do you intervene this way? Right? Why do you intervene this way? There, there shouldn't be any intervention. Obviously, it was fair and upstanding and all the rest. Or why not let Hunter get clocked by the law? I mean, after all, some tough love for your lifelong criminal son might not be the worst thing that ever happened to him. Maybe... Or maybe there's the possibility that this is not about tough love or any sort of love, that maybe actually a lot of this is just about protecting your own ass because you're a lot richer than you should be having been a lifetime government employee. There are criminal implications in what you were investigating when it comes to Hunter Biden. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the most substantive uh, uh, felony charges were, were left off the table. Which would have been what? which would have been uh, evasion for 14, false return for 18 in 2019. So as of right now, in the information that, that's been out there in the public, it uses the term in excess of $100,000 for 2017 and separately for 2018. The true number is $580,000 of in, uh, failure to pay for 2017 and 620000 for 2018. Yet this document puts it close to 100000 Amazing, amazing stuff. So who intervened? Again, full investigation to Merrick Garland because somebody's lying here. Obviously, somebody's lying here. Either David Weiss is lying to his own investigators or Merrick Garland is lying when he says that he had nothing to do whatsoever with whether special counsel status was given to David Weiss. And then there needs to be a full-scale investigation of all these threads. Where exactly was Joe Biden on the day that Hunter was asking the Chinese for the cash? What exactly did Joe Biden know? And when did he know all of it? Where is all this money coming from? How do all these shell companies work? How is the IRS not all over this? Why? Strange. If you did any of the things that Hunter Biden did, the IRS would track you down. There is no question about it. If you were, if you were writing off hookers on your tax returns, which is apparently what Hunter Biden did, you would be in jail and you would have been in jail a long time ago. If your parents were involved in what appears to be a low level, well, actually not a low level, a fairly high level money laundering scheme, if, if that is like... You and your dad would be sharing a cell. But if you're Joe Biden, then you get away with it. And one of the reasons you get away with it is because right now, not only are you the president of the United States, but you're, you're, a, you're a babbling old fool. 
And because you're a babbling old fool, you're unthreatening. One of the great, I've said this for a while, one of the great assets that Joe Biden has is that he appears to be in a state of cognitive decline. In the same way that you watch a mafia movie and you will see somebody in a mafia movie who is under investigation pretend to be crazy or pretend to be in a state of cognitive decline so that prosecutors are like, oh, he couldn't have done it. That guy's walking around in a bathrobe. That is basically Joe Biden at this point. I don't think he's pretending, but I certainly think that his, his the, the decline in his cognitive faculties make him a more sympathetic figure than he otherwise would be. Joe Biden of 2008 was not in any way sympathetic. Now he seems sympathetic mainly because you're afraid that he's going to literally keel over and die at any moment. It makes every, every speech that he gives now feels like evil Knievel jumping Snake Canyon. It's amazing. Here is, here is Joe Biden uh, yesterday just babbling nonsensically. Less than we... A guy driving a truck hit a butt. Anyway, he knocked down a whole bridge and the whole box, four lanes of the highway. Well, did uh, edifying, isn't it? Also, by the way, Joe Biden is very happy that we're defeating Vladimir Putin in the war in Iraq, apparently. That's another thing that, uh, that he said yesterday. And then the White House and reporters cleaned up the transcript. They said that he actually said that we're defeating him in the war in Ukraine. Um, but that's not what he said. To what extent has Vladimir Putin been weakened by recent events? It's hard to tell, but he's, he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. And he has uh, become a bit of a fly around the world. I believe this is the second time in two weeks that Joe Biden has referred to the war in Ukraine as the war in Iraq because he no longer has a functioning brain. In other Joe Biden health news, apparently he's begun using a CPAP machine to help deal with sleep apnea. It is very common. There are a lot of younger people who have it, but it's a little bit different when the person who's using a CPAP machine, the reason you use a CPAP machine, by the way, is because sleep apnea can kill you because, you know, you're, you're basically it's your, your throat closes up while you are, while you're sleeping. So you're snoring really heavily and theoretically it can cut off your air supply. And so a CPAP machine essentially forces open your air supply. It's a little bit different when you're 40 than it is when you are 80. So that is indeed a matter of uh, some public concern. It became public when Joe Biden was wandering around and he had the actual lines from the straps on his face. Now, do I think that um, any of that is going to hurt him? I actually think in, in some ways a lot of this helps him. Because again, it turns us away from the simple fact, which is that Joe Biden is a terrible president. He's both incompetent and corrupt. It turns us away from that. And instead, we're focusing in on the fact that he might keel over at any second. But that really isn't the story here. Okay, speaking of his bad policy, he's out there pushing Bidenomics. It's a brand new term. Nobody's ever heard of like Reaganomics. No, no, what, what, I mean, it's, just, it's a brand new term. He's out there pushing it. We'll get to that momentarily first. In a world filled with uncertainties, it is crucial to be ready for whatever comes your way. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sudden emergency, or unforeseen circumstances, having a reliable food storage system can provide you with peace of mind and the assurance you and your loved ones will be well taken care of. Right now, My Patriot Supply is offering major savings on their popular four-week emergency food kit to help you stay prepared for anything. Go to preparewithben.com, grab the special price before it ends. Your four-week emergency food kit provides over 2,000 calories each day for optimal strength and energy in stressful situations. You can enjoy a wide variety of My Patriot Supply and you can customize your supply. They offer an ultimate breakfast kit, a mega protein kit with real meat, even a gluten-free kit. The best part, each meal is delicious and has a shelf life of 25 years. Don't wait for disaster to strike before you take action. Invest in your safety and well-being. Secure your food storage today. It's just the smart thing to do. Go to preparewithben.com. Get major savings on your four-week emergency supply kit. Go to preparewithben.com right now. It's preparewithben.com. Go make sure that in case of emergency, you got enough food in the closet ready to go. It's preparewithben.com to get ready right now. Also, you might have been one of the tens of millions of people who watch Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer. If so, you're going to love it. Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part docuseries with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer. It comes this summer. There's no such thing as your truth. There is only the truth. 
And while it seems like we're living in a world where the actual truth is hard to come by, many of us are still pursuing it. That includes everybody here at Daily Wire, especially Candace when it comes to this case. She found out key facts were omitted in the Netflix series, and so she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The end result is a new series called Convicting a Murderer. You're not going to want to miss it. There's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. Sign up now for Convicting a Murderer. You'll receive an early bird discount of 25% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. You also get all the other premium content from Daily Wire Plus, including Candace's movie, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman from Matt Walsh, and the largest collection of content from Dr. Jordan Peterson, including his series on the Book of Exodus. Join now, dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member. See the truth when it finally comes out. Meanwhile, Joe Biden isn't just a corrupt liar. He's also a failure when it comes to economics, among other things. And Joe Biden is out there pushing Bidenomics. Yes, yes, yes. Does that sound exciting to you, Bidenomics? Here was Joe Biden trying to push this yesterday, but man, it's hard to watch him. I mean, honest to God, it's difficult to watch the man these days. I got asked by a press person this morning, getting on the helicopter in Washington. Why? When I asked about Bidenomics a long time ago, you said you didn't know what it was. I said, I didn't name it Bidenomics. I didn't realize the economist in the Wall Street Journal did. But I think it's a plan that I'm happy to call Bidenomics. And guess what? Bidenomics is working. Uh, No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I know E.J. Dion over at the Washington Post thinks it does. Here's how he describes what Bidenomics is. Quote, government is no longer shying away from pushing investment towards specific goals and industries. So they're taking your money and they're investing it in a bunch of stuff where you don't get any of the money back because it's not their money. It's, it's your money. Spending on public works is back in fashion. Ooh, ah, government spending. That'll be amazing. New free trade treaties are no longer at the heart of the nation's international strategy. Yeah, yes, from now on, I guess we're going to go with autarky and expensive costs for everyone. Challenging monopolies, providing support for unionization efforts are higher priorities. I mean, if you are aiming for a 1970s economy, this is how you do it. You boost the union so that you increase labor costs. You simultaneously increase inflation to pay for the labor costs. You then get rid of free trade treaties, which artificially boosts all of the costs. And you dump more public money into the till. Just makes perfect sense. Well, here's the thing. Real hourly wages under Joe Biden have fallen 3.16%. And Joe Biden's people are out there lying. So Biden's OMB director was out there lying yesterday, suggesting that Shalanda Young, that uh, they are in a, a period of massive wage growth. Literally every, every month of Joe Biden's presidency, wages with inflation taken into account have gone down. Real wages are down every month of Joe Biden's presidency. And here they are just lying about it. Do you see a mild recession as possible at the first part of next year? Not when you see jobs numbers like this. Uh, not when you see wage growth like this. That is just not consistent with a recession. You know, for two years, I've been asked the same question or told uh, prognosticators, say a recession is coming and we continue to see a strong labor uh, market in this country. Well, just like they said, inflation isn't coming. Remember that? It was a transitory phenomenon. No big deal. And it's now uh, three years in and the inflation is still sky high. It's now embedded in the American economy. Well, they're doing the same thing now. They're saying no, no recession is coming. Guys, stagnation is coming. And you know who knows this? Everyone who's an investor. Everyone who's an investor is holding out on the side. They got all their cash out of the markets. They're attempting right now to essentially get as liquid as humanly possible because they do not want to be invested in these markets when it goes down. I mean, people are, people are really, really, like I'm, I talk with business people every day. Everybody is wary. They don't know which direction this is going, but they do. No, very few people think that a big booming economy is coming or is, in, or is currently working right now. So Bidenomics is a failure. And it's not just that Biden's strategy has failed nationally. It's also that when you localize Biden's strategies, that fails as well. So this takes us to New York City. So New York City has set a new record, guys. Are you excited? 
They have a record 100,000 people living in homeless shelters. They're doing an amazing job in New York. I mean, those are big numbers. According to the New York Times, New York City passed a woeful milestone this week, spurred by an influx of migrants from the nation's southern border. For the first time, there are now over 100,000 people in homeless shelters, city officials said on Wednesday. Days earlier, the city said the number of migrants in shelters had passed 50,000, that they now make up the majority of people in homeless shelters in the city. Why, why, who's in charge of border policy? Who would that be? Oh, that's right, it's the president. The city, under Mayor Eric Adams, has spent over a billion dollars to house the migrants since they started arriving in large numbers in the spring of 2022. It expects to spend over $4 billion by next year. But it's not just migrants who are the problem. Obviously, you have a massive embedded homeless problem in New York City where they refuse to put people who are severely mentally ill or drug addicted off the streets. They leave them on the streets to commit horrifying crimes. And then when you defend yourself, then um, and when you defend others, then they throw you in jail. Which brings us to the case of Daniel Penny. Yesterday, Daniel Penny, who's, of course, the, um, the military veteran who put Jordan Neely in a fatal submission hold. Uh, he, he was he's been charged. He pled not guilty in court. Jordan Neely was, of course, a career violent criminal who had something like 42 prior arrests. And he was threatening people and screaming at them on a subway when when Daniel Penny, a Marine Corps veteran, came up behind him and put him in a submission hold. He was accompanied by two other men of a diverse race. It did not matter. He was still conv- he, he's still been charged now with uh, with second degree manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. He entered the plea during his arraignment in a state court in Manhattan, according to The Wall Street Journal. Apparently, he will remain released on one hundred thousand dollars bail. His next appearance in court is set for October 25th. And of course, the media continue to they, they continue to uh, call Neely a 30 year old Michael Jackson impersonator, as opposed to, you know, a career homeless person who was basically panhandling on the subways while simultaneously threatening people. At the same time that Daniel Penny was charged in a piece of uh, in a piece of better news, another person who had been accused of um, of a stabbing aboard a New York City subway has now been let go. According to the New York Post, the Big Apple strap hanger charged with stabbing a rowdy ex-con to death on a Brooklyn J train was found to have acted in self-defense, leading to his manslaughter charge being dismissed on Wednesday, according to the, according to the New York Post. The grand jury declined to indict 20-year-old Jordan Williams, who had been charged with manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon in the June 13th melee that left another man dead. His self-defense claim was bolstered by, bolstered by video footage presented to the grand jury, which allegedly showed the, uh, the, the person who died choking Williams and slugging his girlfriend before Williams stabbed him, according to sources. So the question is, why exactly this guy is off while uh, Daniel Penny is going to be tried for criminally negligent homicide? It couldn't have anything to do with race, could it? The person who uh, who is just let go, as he should have been, is black. Daniel Penny is, of course, a white person, and Jordan Neely is a black person. Prosecutors are now saying that they plan to use more footage and statements from Jordan Neely's New York City subway death in the upcoming trial, according to current reports. They said they have additional cell phone video from witnesses of the incident. Court documents said prosecutors claim they obtained at least five other cell phone videos from three separate witnesses in the deadly incident, and they plan to use that as evidence in the upcoming trial. The documents also state the prosecutors have two witnesses' videotape statements, two MTA surveillance videos, and police body cam footage. Other disclosures in the documents from prosecutors include a videotape statement Penny made to police the day of the incident before authorities released him without charges. Penny told police, quote, he came on, threw all his bleep down, was very aggressive, going crazy. I was behind him, put him in a choke. He said Neely was acting irate, dropping things on the floor, saying he doesn't care if he goes to jail. So uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who is here to prosecute Donald Trump for non-crimes and apparently also Daniel Penny for non-crimes, uh, he continues to move forward on this one. Penny faces up to 19 years in prison if he is convicted on both counts in this particular case. Meanwhile, people are fleeing the big cities as well they should. Portland has now lost 3% of its population between 2020 and 2022. 
Maybe it's because you guys decided that you're not going to police crime ever again. The drop of about 17,400 people was the sixth largest decline among 50 of the largest cities in America. Mayor Ted Wheeler, Democrat, who has basically given the city over to lawlessness, has come under increasing pressure to address rising violent crime and sprawling homeless encampments. Bad blue state governance is what creates these sorts of problems. And they're only going to get worse. Alrighty, in just one second, we'll get to the latest in Russia, where Vladimir Putin is settling all family business. First, are you exhausted with woke corporate America trying to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans? It's happening all over the country, obviously. Family retailers are selling tuck-friendly bathing suits, and coffee shops are strong-arming customers to support abortion. And beer companies are forcing gender ideology on you when all you really wanted to do was just have a very watered-down beer. Thankfully, with Public Square, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our dollars. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries who share your value for life, family, and freedom. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform, so you actually have an incentive to spend money with companies that actually don't hate your guts. Whether you're looking for new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, or a banking partner you can count on, or simply a new restaurant in your area that's not going to lecture you about your political views as you try to enjoy a meal with your family, head on over to publicsq.com. Public Square is free to join as a consumer or a business owner. You can get started right now at publicsq.com or download their app today. That's publicsq.com right now. I get this question from a lot of people all the time. How do I find businesses who don't hate my guts? Well, this is the answer. Public Square. Go check them out right now. Publicsq.com or download their app today. Okay, meanwhile, Vladimir Putin is now settling all family business. According to the Wall Street Journal, he's moving to seize control of the Wagner global empire. The Kremlin is assuring nations in Africa and the Middle East that it's going to continue to manage the Wagner forces, which has spread Russian power at little cost to Putin. So the Wagner is a, a mercenary group that has been used by Vladimir Putin since basically 2014 to do his dirty work everywhere from Ukraine to Syria. And then apparently he attempted to essentially override the head of the Wagner group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and then take control of it. And that is why Prigozhin tried to lead a revolt against Putin. And that went sideways very, very quickly. And he is now in Belarus awaiting his... Uh, his suicide. But Wagner is apparently now in the crosshairs of Putin. He's going to sort of vertically integrate these mercenary forces directly into the Russian armed forces. Russia's deputy foreign minister, according to the Wall Street Journal, flew to Damascus to personally deliver a message to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. Wagner group forces would no longer operate there independently. Senior Russian foreign ministry officials phoned the president of the Central African Republic, whose personal bodyguards include Wagner mercenaries, offering assurances that Saturday's crisis would not derail Russia's expansion into Africa. Government jets from Russia's Ministry of Emergency Situations shuttled from Syria to Mali, another of Wagner's key foreign outposts. The rush of diplomatic activity reflected Putin's attempt to play down the chaos at home and assure Russia's partners in Africa and the Middle East that they are not going anywhere because these mercenaries have basically been used as shock troops by a bunch of bad foreign regimes. J. Peter Pham, former special envoy for the West African Sahel region, said Wagner helped Russia build its influence and the government is loath to give it up. Wagner give the state deniability. The question is whether they can manage its complexity and deal with additional scrutiny. I mean, the answer now is that Russia doesn't care. I mean, right now, what, what, what Wagner originally offered to Putin is they could commit whatever human rights violations they wanted to commit. And Putin couldn't be directly blamed because he didn't run them. And he, was, he was connected to them, but he wasn't in direct control. Well, now I'm not sure that Putin cares, considering he's been firing rockets at apartment buildings in Kiev. So, you know, I, I think that at this point, what, what is the harm of vertically integrating? The, the big break between Wagner and the Russian government came over Defense Secretary Viktor Shoigu, who's done apparently a terrible job in the Ukraine war. And the Wagner group's head was like, guys, you're doing a horrible job. We hate this. And uh, the response from the Russian government was to essentially try to take control of the entire Wagner group itself. So now Russia's deploying all of its top diplomats to various foreign regions. 
to try to uh, convince them that Wagner is not going away, so that this entire battle does not change the, uh, the face of, of Russian sort of footprints across the world. Meanwhile, Putin, it sounds like, is just getting rid of top people who may have been involved in the attempted coup. According to The Guardian, a Russian general who previously led the invasion force in Ukraine has not been seen in public since Saturday, with U.S. intelligence reportedly claiming he had prior knowledge of the uprising led by Prigozhin. General Sergei Suravikin is the head of the Russian Aerospace Forces and formerly Moscow's Supreme Commander in Ukraine. Prigozhin had welcomed his appointment to that post in 2022, calling him a legendary figure and born to serve his motherland. Those well-publicized links led to rumors that Suravikin may be purged or put under investigation for supporting the mutiny. So uh, his suicide notice, I'm sure, will be issued in the near future sometime. Again, uh, if you're going to come for Vladimir Putin, it turns out that um, you had best make sure that you're not drinking any plutonium-laced coffee anytime in the near future because uh, Putin is fond of assassinating his political opposition. And meanwhile, controversy over at the Vatican. Still unclear what the full story here is, but there are a lot of suspicions that the Vatican is now investigating one particular bishop named Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, because he was critical of Pope Francis. Uh, his critique of Pope Francis is because he thinks that Pope Francis is too socially liberal, an assessment with which I, who have no dog in this particular fight, have, I, I fully agree with that. I think Pope Francis is, um, is a disaster area of a pope. Pope Benedict was great. Pope Francis, not so much. But apparently the Vatican is now investigating Bishop Joseph Strickland. Th this was led off, at least allegedly, by Strickland leading a protest against the L.A. Dodgers for them honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a uh, gay hate group that, that hates Catholics and, and makes fun of Catholic, Catholic iconography and all the rest of this. According to the Catholic News Agency, it's unclear how many of his tweets are related to the investigation. One directly addresses his supporters, in which he thanked an organization for its support. Other than that, his Twitter feed appears to be on par for the widely popular Firebrand Bishop, who is admired by many Catholics for his outspokenness against prominent modern-day issues like abortion, gender ideology, and the political agendas of elected officials who blatantly disregard the sanctity of the unborn. The cause of the investigation from Rome is unclear, and it comes following his participation in that Eucharistic procession and prayer rally in L.A. to, pro to protest baseball's L.A. Dodgers, honoring the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So it, it could be that this is just him overstepping his boundaries when it comes to the critique of the Pope, because it's still a hierarchical structure in the Catholic Church. Or it could be that the Pope is, again, standing forward and attempting to quash people who are insufficiently liberal for his taste. Whatever it is, you know, I, I would say that it's, it's fairly obvious from all the Catholics that I talk to that a schism is arising inside the Catholic Church, and that schism is growing wider, not narrower, and that is largely due to the vagaries in leadership of the, of the current Pope. Okay, time for a couple of things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. There's a series on FX called The Bear. And uh, I'm not sure why I was reluctant to watch it. I think maybe just because I had no idea what, what the hell it was. Was it a comedy? Was it a drama? It's actually really good. So it's a lot of cursing. It's blue. Um, but it's also really, really well done. So my parents are from Chicago. So I know Chicago fairly well. And this is like a real Chicago series. Like it's, it's like South Side of Chicago, you know, Chicago White Sox area, which is my team. And um, it's, it's a terrific series about a guy who was a top chef at Nobu, which is widely ranked as the, the best restaurant in the world. And his brother commits suicide and was running a beef eatery essentially in Chicago. And now he has to go back home to Chicago and he decides to take up where his brother left off at the restaurant and try to fix the restaurant. And so it's all about running a restaurant. It's all about cooking. Uh, and um, all the performances are great. It's really well shot. I mean, beautifully directed. Uh, here's a little bit of the preview. 25 pounds? No, no, no. I ordered 200. What is beef? We still got that meat connected? 
can get twelve fifty for that on eBay. Boom. You cut vegetables I mean, it's, like a bitch. Again, it's it's really fun to watch. You know, it's it's a, it's a weird thing that I think we all kind of like watching people cook on TV. It makes you very hungry to watch the show for sure. Let me leave it to you then. You can't taste any of it, but uh, it looks good. The performances are great. The guy who plays the lead is uh, is really terrific. It's it's pretty gritty and realistic. And uh, again, one of the things that I like about this show is that what it really is mostly about is a guy who is very good at a thing trying to make a place better. And that, that's kind of awesome. It's very capitalistic in that in that way. It's it's a, it's a really pro business and pro small business show. And uh, it's it's really about competence, about core competence. One of the things I realized that about TV shows and, and movies that I like to watch, I like watching people be good at things. And this is a show about a guy who's very good at a thing and how he's trying to make other people better at the thing. And it's it's pretty wonderful. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So as we all could have predicted by the amount of glowing media coverage that the Barbie movie was receiving, it's going to be just a liberal bleep show. Now, actress and Saturday Night Live alum Kate McKinnon is praising the Barbie movie for showing that, quote, gender roles deny people half their humanity. Ah, uh, yes, if you're a woman and you are expected to act, quote unquote, like a woman, this means that you're being denied the other half of your humanity, uh, which is just, I'm sorry, the, the notion that, that women ought to be feminine and men ought to be masculine. And that doesn't mean like in every aspect that there's no crossover but that that's a general expectation, that, that this denies people. You know what denies people their humanity? Not allowing them to be what they are. And what they are, women are feminine. Men are masculine. Telling them that women ought to be masculine, men ought to be feminine, is absurd. McKinnon made the comments during an interview with Fandango, where she, along with Barbie co-stars Issa Rae, America Ferreira, and Margot Robbie, discussed some of the themes of the summer film. During their discussion with Fandango, the actresses delved into some of the feminist themes of Barbie. Namely, the movie is in part a story of female empowerment that relegates male characters, like Ken, to more of a support role. Well, I mean, that was necessary because, as we all know, Ken is really the star of the Barbie show. I mean, like, Ken was always an afterthought, by the way. Co-star Issa Rae, who portrays Barbie Land's president, commented on the feminist themes, while McKinnon went even further, claiming the film script torches gender roles entirely. In the film, various Ken dolls are played by Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu, and others, with Gosling playing Robbie's particular male counterpart. Ray emphasized that the Barbies in this world are the ones who do everything and the Kens back them up. She says, Barbies can do everything. Kens are there to kind of support and don't necessarily have their own story. I think that's not necessarily a negative thing. It's incredibly strong for men to be in supporting roles and to support the greatness that is women and Barbie. Yes, that's what we need. Another movie saying that men are unnecessary in society because that's worked out amazingly well for feminism over the course of the last 50 years in which women by every metric are unhappier than they were in the 1970s. It's, it's worked out. Saying that men are, are completely unnecessary to, to life, it's, it's working out amazing for the ladies. They're having a great time with it, except that they're not, and it's actually miserable. Okay, other things that I hate today. This is an amazing one. So there is something called the LGBT Foundation, a national charity delivering advice, support, and information services to LGBT communities. It's based in Manchester. It's a British outlet, apparently. And um, they are now encouraging people to stop using the word vagina because it might offend Quote, using the correct language when referring to someone's gender identity is a simple and effective way to demonstrate support and recognition. If incorrect language is used without being corrected, it can cause someone to feel hurt and distressed. So what sort of language do they recommend? Well, um, under B for their glossary, they use the term bonus hole. Bonus hole, an alternative word for the vagina. It is important to check with words, which words someone would prefer to use. Bonus hole. Bonus hole. So... The orifice that is responsible for literally all human reproduction for all of time is a mere bonus. As it turns out, ladies, congratulations, you've won a bonus. The bonus hole. 
which I assume means that the primary hole would be, you know, the butt. I, I assume that's what they mean. Unless they mean like your face hole, like your face is your primary hole. Uh, or is it your ears or your nostrils? Which, which one? I assume they mean the ass, right? I mean, that, that's presumably what they mean. Which is weird because all they are really, what, what that really does is, again, in the same way that cis is in fact a slur because it assumes that, that there is something non-normal about being, you know, a male who thinks he is a male. Like it has to have a special term and everything. Bonus hole suggests that basically the norm is you don't have that because it's a bonus. And that it's unnecessary, actually, because it's a bonus, right? Like, you could live without a bonus. You don't need a bonus, right? Your salary's fine. Now, what, what it really spells, again, is the centrality of sexual hedonism to this entire movement. Because for most of us, if you said, like, what is the most, biologically speaking, just in terms of propagation of the human species, which is the most important bodily orifice? When it comes to sex, which is the most important bodily orifice? Is there any doubt what the answer to that is in terms of propagation of the human species? Of course, there is not. Of course, there's no controversy about it, but that's the whole point. Propagation of the human species is utterly unnecessary. Sex is to be utterly disconnected from childbearing and childrearing, which makes women basically an afterthought. A man could be a woman, a woman could be a man, and it doesn't make any difference at all. Because, I mean, after all, what function does the bonus hole serve other than as a bonus? It's incredible how sex, once you boil away its inherent connection to childbearing and childrearing, this is what you end up with. References to women as bearers of bonus holes. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. I will be interviewing Tom Kenneth, one of the lawyers representing Daniel Penny. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 